This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What a filthy job. Could be worse. How? Could be raining. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I got a big announcement. If you're attending your company holiday party, the, the annual Sizzler Sizzlathon, or any other holiday event, you're going to have to talk to people. And you, my friend, want to put your best foot forward. That's why today we've invited the guy who will help us all navigate any holiday party, Carmine Gallo. Plus, in headlines, want to cut your fees in half on your investments? One Piece says that's a thing. Of course, we'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to a caller in financial trouble and save time for my festive trivia. And now, two guys who are ready to fire up the lights on this podcast episode, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Welcome to Hump Day on our holiday planning week. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salci. I have Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, coffee in hand, ready to go. And we only, we only trip the fuse one time trying to make the coffee maker work. It's Mr. OG. It was, it was the not only the fuse, but then also some other electrical issues going on. It might be the 17 power strips plugged into one power strip. No, that's the thing. The Power strip into power strip. Remember, we had the, the guy about fire safety from UL on it. Nuclear fusion, isn't that how they make that? About six weeks ago, we talked fire safety. Remember, yeah. with a guy from UL, and he and said, 
He as told me point you, blank. As long as you make sure it's at least one power strip powering all the other power strips, you're good. You are good. That's what those fuses are for, to warn you when you're not good. <laughs> and I told and you. And then you go, all right, I'll hold it open. while you. I, I'm going to hold the button this way while you make the coffee. While you make the coffee. What could possibly go wrong? Well, what I did say was, I told you yesterday, dude, you got to turn off the space heater before you make the coffee. You really did say that. We We really did. You know what else I said? I said that today's show is brought to you by the stacker, huh? Because the stacker's rolling again. I think, guys, I've figured out this whole email thing. And at the very least, you're going to get three episodes. Well, I'll tell you what. You already got one. I know there's two more ready. The way the first one went out, I think the other two are going to go the way they're supposed to. While podcasting is our thing, writing occasional emails that will help you navigate the financial wilderness is also my thing. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash stacker. Plus, we did an Instagram event last week. Uh, that was a lot of fun. You can be up to date on all of that stuff as OG and I planning kind of a really fun new decade of podcasting next year. But if you want to know where we're going to be next, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash stacker and sign to, up. We have to do this for another decade. <laughs> We're not contractually obligated. Oh. We'll see how it goes. But I'll tell you what we want to see. We want to see Carmine Gallo done here in the basement. This guy has written so many phenomenal books, teaching people to communicate. He's been on so many stages. Uh, everything from telling people how to give TED Talks to better storytelling. He's the perfect guy to help us work through the holiday party. Because you know what? How many times have you been at a holiday party? And I can think of three different times. Where you go, yeah, it's not going well for that guy. Like somebody's really stepping in it. Basically every Thanksgiving at my house. <laughs> Basically, yeah, oh, geez, stepping <laughs> in it again. Just another Thanksgiving. <laughs> Carmine Gallo's here. We've got some great headlines. One that uh, I'm sure OG's going to like. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Kiplinger. This is written by Jerry Golden, investment advisor representative with Golden Retirement Advisors. How to cut your investment fees in half. I'm in. This is so awesome. You read this piece? I might have glanced at it. Jerry writes. Actually, no, I didn't. I'll tell you exactly what I did when I saw this on the agenda. But go ahead. I'll tell you what I did later. When dealing with percentages and asset-based fees, an offer that sounds good at first may turn out to be not so great, depending on where you are in your retirement savings journey. As you accumulate savings, for instance, you're looking to generate growth in your account, and so you may hire an investment advisor to help you make the best choices. Their fees are typically around 1% of the value of assets under management. Whether that sounds like a good deal probably depends a lot on how much money you have in your account. That number seemed low to my personal trainer, for example. Only 1% a year, as he said. Doesn't have a whole lot stashed away right now, so 1% is no big deal to him. But if you have a million dollars to manage, you'd pay 10000 and more each and every year. Quite a different story. Okay. Would you like me to go to the, the next part? Carry on. Go ahead. Yeah. Looking at fees through the lens of income. That 1% fee sounds even worse when you look at it as taking a cut from your income rather than your savings. Here's what I mean by that. Your perspective changes when you retire as you create a plan to generate income and or make withdrawals from your savings. Many retirees go by the 4% rule, which says you can withdraw 4% of your portfolio each year without serious concerns of running out of money in retirement. Not what the 4% rule says, but... 
It is not. But, but this is Kipling or so. It's this we'll, is, do, we'll do what Jerry says. This isn't the only thing this guy's conflating. And maybe we'll just cut down here to the chase. I'll link to this in the show notes. But let's go down in this piece. Because I read this clickbait article. I get down to the end. What is Jerry selling? He says, what are reasonable fees? And then he's trying to position fees as a percentage of your income stream, uh-huh. not as a percentage of your assets. And frankly, I went through it and it was smoke, mirrors, smoke, mirrors, because I get to the bottom and I read about what Jerry sells. Jerry Golden is the founder and CEO of Golden Retirement Advisors. He specializes in helping customers create retirement plans that provide income that cannot be outlived. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't pay fees that you can see when you could pay a crap load of fees that you don't see. It's funny that you that you ended on this because when I saw it in the uh, prep for today, that's the first thing that I clicked on was the name and then the website. And I went from there and I went, dude sells annuities, fixed annuities, index annuities, annuity, 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 annuity. That's the solution to your problem. <laughs> but I like your summation. Don't pay anybody legitimately out of pocket that you can see. Let's just let's pay twice as much <laughs> with the stuff you can't see. I want to back up the truck a little bit here because this is a very clickbaity article. We've seen lots of stuff about cutting investment fees and investment advisors and their horrible fees and fees, 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 fees. It turns out, like we said on Friday's show, that while fees are super important and you should pay attention to your fees, that you gotta, you gotta, gotta, gotta have a cost benefit analysis first. You know, the other thing that you kind of brought up there for a second was basing it on income and there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's plenty of really great relationships that are based on commissions, right? There's plenty of really great relationships that are based on a percentage of the money that is managed on your behalf. There's some that uh, some advisor firms that say, we take a portion of your net worth and some of your income. There's no right or wrong way to do that. You know, like he was kind of alluding to, there's different ways to do that. You have to find what works for you and you have to find what works for what's going on in your life. For the person who has $19,000 and is getting started, he's right. Paying 1% is a good deal. Guess what? There's not a lot of people out there that are going to take you for 1% of 19 grand. A lot of advisors, right? <laughs> a lot of advisors. Hey, I got six bucks. Can yeah. I pay 1%? Yeah. You know, there's going to be different structures for all those different levels, and it doesn't make any one of them right or wrong. But to put yourself in a position where the author of this article's whole sales pitch is, just go buy a index annuity instead or whatever, because that's going to be way better than paying 10 grand. I'd rather pay $10,000 that I know I'm paying and keep my other 990 grand working for me than pay freaking $25,000 a year that I can't see, have my money locked up for 40 flipping years and have, a, have my financial representative cash an $80,000 commission check on my million dollars. Well, I'm going to show you my bias here. My bias is I want smart people in my corner, people smarter than me about the stuff that they're doing, helping me in those areas because I don't have time to be an expert in everything. I don't want, this is my bias, I don't want somebody in my corner. No offense to Jerry. I don't know Jerry at all. Might be a phenomenal annuity sales guy. Could be. Sounds like he's on Kiplinger's. 
could, yeah, could be could be fan, could be fantastic. I don't He's know. An amazing salesperson. I personally, this is my personal opinion, do not want to work with somebody who specializes in one product to fit a solution that is multifaceted. If all I sell are hammers, everything looks like a nail. I don't want to start with the product and I don't want to work with somebody. If I walk into a Chevy dealer, he's not going to take me out on a lot and show me a bunch of Fords. Right. It ain't going to happen. So that to me is, is the lesson here. And the sad thing to your point also is when you watch CNBC, you watch Fox news, you read Kiplinger, whatever it might be, always go to the source, which is exactly what you did. OG. So I think that's probably our lesson. Our second piece here comes from the uh, Federal News Network. People that report on stuff going on with the federal government. Our friend sounds like so fake. It sounds like something that would be on The Simpsons. The Federal News Network. This is a uh, fake news site about government benefits. Not not at all, actually. But this is written by Nicole Agrisco and was brought to us by our friend Gregory in the Basement Facebook group and said he wished that we would talk about this. We Your have, wish is our command, Gregory. Well, yeah, and we don't want to talk just about people that work for the government or in the military, all people that would have this uh, that would have this new benefit we're going to talk about. I want to make this a larger discussion about benefits in general. But OPM, which stands for? Other people's money. Yes, either other people's money or in this case, it's the Office of Personnel Management, announces new long-term care insurance plan option. Federal government rolling out some new long-term care options for their employees. The Office of Personnel Management earlier this week launched a new plan and rate structure under the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The new plan called FLTCIP 3.0 because the government <laughs> likes to make it easy. That's, uh, that's easy to remember. <laughs> is available to federal and postal service employees, annuitants, active and retired military members, and qualified relatives who apply for coverage on or after October 21st, 2019, FLT CIP 3.0 emphasizes home and community care services. Is there a different type of, oh. uh, Facility only. Yeah, yeah, facility only. Notably, the new plan includes what long-term care partners have described as a premium stabilization feature. The feature. Way more now so that it doesn't have to go up a whole bunch later. The feature is supposed to reduce the need for future premium increases, which as current FLT CIP participants can attest to, have risen dramatically in in recent years. Under this feature, the premium stabilization amount will be calculated as a percentage of premiums paid under the FLT CIP 3.0 group policy. All right, that's that's, holy cow. Uh, First of all, let's talk about what they're... Thanks for picking a winner, Gregory. Let's talk about exactly what they're doing here, though. With long-term care, it's they're correct, OG. We have seen prices go through the roof. And the frustrating thing is once you buy a long-term care policy, you got to keep paying the premiums because if you don't, you might not qualify for a different one. Remember uh, years ago where some companies had that pay 10 option where you could pay the whole premium off basically over a 10-year period? That's looking pretty sweet right now if you would have done that. But long-term care is priced like every other insurance. It's based on the probability of it happening and the amount of exposure the insurance company has if it does happen. And so we know from statistics that there's a one in two chance or one in two and a half chance that you'll need some assisted care later in life if you're over 65. And we know that the average cost of that care is about a hundred grand. So if you know there's a one in two chance that you're stroking a check for a hundred thousand dollars, how much do you think the premium should be? 
maybe 50 grand, give or take, plus profit on top of it. So it's pretty easy to kind of figure out what that ends up being. The problem is, is that where these were originally sold years and years ago, they were sold at whatever the number was, $2,000 a year, $2,500 a year. And companies realized, hey, we didn't price this right. Our odds are incorrect. The cost is rising faster. We know that healthcare costs are rising exponentially. And this extends to nursing home care as well, or private care, which is kind of what we're talking about now. So companies have had to come back to policyholders and say, hey, we told you it was going to be 2500 bucks a year, but we need to make a change. It's 5500 bucks a year. And now you're kind of committed. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm 17 years into this. What am I going to do? <laughs> do I want to stop? Now, thankfully, most companies are giving you the option to reduce your benefit in order to keep the same premium. So they're not, it's kind of an all or nothing thing, yeah. thankfully. But, uh, but nevertheless, that changes your plan quite a bit. Uh, to your point, the piece says, long-term care insurance premiums rose as much as 126% the last time OPM recompeted its contract so for I the did program. That in my head. And I'm about right. You are right there. In 2016, the premium hikes affected roughly 264,000 people. We're not experts on this policy, so I don't want to go into it too much, OG, but it appears based on this piece, so I'm not reading the policy, which is what I prefer to do. Frankly, if you want to know how policy works, read Read it. it. And most companies, by the way, do a good job of breaking it down like into a QA and a format and making it easier than you think to actually read what the policy is and policies come with a free look period where you can read the policy and hand it back and say, you know what? No, thank you. So I like that. You can also get the everything about it ahead of time. But in this piece, it says what this feature means is premium payments may be offset by as much as 50% when the participant has reached age 85 and has been enrolled in 3.0 for at least 10 years. So as long as you pay for it for 10 years, this extra amount, you can reduce your premium by 50% age 85 and older premium increases premium increases yeah so there's got there's a no premium payments oh, I so your premium can go down 50 percent. so at a time of life where it's probably going to be tough for you to get a second job instead of your premium going up your premium could it says could is the operative word in my head here go down. What I want to know about this policy, so let's talk about this, OG. What I want to know about this policy is what are the mechanisms they're using to decide whether I get the 50% decrease or not? Because insurance companies are out there to make money. They need to be fair to be competitive. So they want to be competitive, but to make money, John Hancock is going to try to make sure that I use as little of this as possible. Well, yeah. Also, you know, you're talking about competitive. There's just not a lot of competition in the long-term care space right now because it's so costly, because it's kind of a a loss for a lot of companies. So you're not seeing a lot of new issues, unfortunately. John Hancock is one of the companies that's been around a long time. If there's any saving grace in all of this kind of premium discussion, whether it's up or down or sideways, is that in every state, if you live in you know, right now we're in Michigan. If you live in Michigan and you have a, a long-term care premium, they can't just willy-nilly increase it on you. It has to get approved by the insurance commissioner. I'm not saying that there's not any hanky-panky going on behind the scenes because there probably is. But at least there's another layer of protection in there. A little bit of checks and balances. That, you know, they're not just raising it on you because you live in the basement. They're raising it on everybody who's in your age gra- uh, bracket or demographic or whatever's allowable for them to use for, for a tranche of people. And then it's kind of double-checked by the insurance commissioners of each state. So I guess take a little comfort if that happens to you. But this is an attractive feature. The 
the reality though is that if they're offering premium reductions in the future, kind of what does that mean now? Yeah. You're essentially prepaying it, right? That is what it means. I mean, you're going to pay now for a benefit that you may or may not receive. Yeah, the cost is the cost. It costs X dollars to insure this person for this thing. And if I say, well, yeah, but in 10 years from now, you can pay half as much. Yeah. To make that work, I just have to charge you 30% more now than I would that's a funny. different policy, perhaps. It's funny you say that because I just remembered something that when I was a financial advisor, an analogy that I would that, that I would use with clients, which is still applicable today. Remember those Bugs Bunny cartoons? There's one where he's standing over the lion and he's saying, uh, uh, would you like one lump or two? And he's supposedly talking about the sugar. And he's like two. And he hits him on the head with a mallet and the lion gets two lumps on his head. In the case of long-term care, not long-term care insurance, but a long-term care event, when you look at your strategies around this, it's like life is standing there with the mallet going, where do you want to get hit? They're not asking you if you want to get hit because you're going to get hit no matter what. Either number one, you're going to save a bunch of money and set it aside and it's not going to happen to you or which means that you wasted all this money sitting it aside. Number two is you set it aside and you use it and it cost you an arm and a leg when you could have bought insurance and maybe met met it halfway, met it three quarters of, who knows, right? So the question is that whether I want to get hit, because everybody's going to say, I don't want to get hit by this mallet. No, thank you. I don't want to get hit. Bugs Bunny didn't ask you if you want to get hit. Bugs Bunny asked you where you want to get hit right. in this case. You just got to pick one. And I don't know if this is any better. Is this really any better if you're paying more today? And if you live past 85, you get a nice premium reduction? I don't know. I don't know either. I will tell you this. This is how bad this has gotten. John Hancock itself stopped selling group long-term care insurance plans in 2010 and individual policies in 2016. The only long-term care they do is this policy. Yeah. This yeah is, and, and service the ones that they have outstanding. Yeah, yeah. This, this is all they do. So no, no easy answer. I think our lesson there is deal with long-term care early and how you're going to handle it and don't think about it later on. You don't want to spend your retirement worried about long-term care. Make a decision, make an informed decision, and get it out of the way. I think that's lesson one. Lesson number two is looking at how to cut your fees. Buy a fixed annuity. <laughs> Maybe buy more annuities. Not that solution. I love that OG. All those people that thought Joe was pro-annuity. All the time. Remember when when I was defending annuities, and I still will defend annuities. We might have surprised them. Annuities not always great. I think if you make every product the same in terms of the benefit to the person who sells it, it'd be so much better. It would be pretty interesting to see where the money goes. If Jerry sold every product, it would also be interesting to see what that asset allocation would look like. Mm-hmm. What that mix asset would location, be. yeah, asset location. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yes, compared to sure stocks or ETFs or mutual funds. And annuities and whatever. If everything's, you know, flatlined, I was having this discussion with somebody a couple of weeks ago about a insurance product that that person had, and didn't seem terribly appropriate as we were talking about it. I just said, I just said, how interesting would it be if the commission on that insurance product was the same as the fee structure in your brokerage account? Yeah. Like, do you still think that would have got sold the same way? Probably not. Probably, probably not. 
Well, Steve started the music, and for people who have been around a while, you know what that means. We're, we're going on and on about annuities. Uh, and we got a guest here, OG, Carmine Gallo is upstairs talking to mom. He's a three-time Wall Street Journal best-selling author, super popular keynote speaker. I've seen this guy talk. He's such a great speaker. He's a Harvard instructor, leadership advisor for some of the world's most admired brands. His books are incredible. If you're trying to communicate better, Talk Like Ted uh, was one of his first bestsellers. The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, The Storyteller Secret. His latest book that came out last year is called Five Stars, The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great, to quote Jim Collins. Let's say hello to our friend. Helping us today, though, put our best foot forward at this time of year when we're talking to lots of people. Carmine Gallo. And coming down the stairs to the basement, I'm so glad we have this guy with us this week. Master communicator, Carmine Gallo is here. How are you, man? Oh, hey, Joe. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to talk to you again. As you know, I was thrilled when you quoted me in a book a long, long time ago and talked about my stuttering issue in your book, Secrets of the World's Greatest Communicators, which I'm not one of, by the way. Everybody who listens to the show <laughs> will know that. But you have been a busy man, my friend, writing and speaking to companies. You tend to talk a lot about communication. Yeah, I think communication is definitely my passion. Leadership, communication skills, public speaking. There's never a lack of content, I think, in, in that area. And, you know, Joe, it's interesting because I think that although we, we know communication skills sets leaders apart, there's still a lot to learn. This is not something that people learn when they get an MBA. It's not necessarily things that uh, middle managers focus on to get to the next level of their careers. And certainly in the last few years, I've focused a great deal on storytelling and what storytelling means in business. To a trained journalist like myself and someone who's a writer and a journalist, in my former life, I was a journalist for 15 years uh, covering business news, the business professional. How do they turn PowerPoint into a story? How do you connect people through story? So there's always something new in communication as far as I'm concerned. So I always have a fresh stable of content. Well, you make the point in Five Stars, your latest book, that people say that communication is a soft skill. You say it's not a soft skill at all. It's it's, it's kind of a hard skill. Well, when I wrote that, I had not had some of the new surveys that came out earlier this year. And so there were surveys by LinkedIn and a few other companies that track careers and they're finding that the number one skill that will set you apart is how you communicate effectively in the workplace. So to me, that's a misnomer. Let's stop calling it a soft skill because it minimizes the importance. Uh, the ability to communicate your ideas persuasively is the single greatest skill that you can build, that, you, that we can all build today to set you apart in your career and in your business. This time of year, a lot of uh, us are going to be in social situations far more than we might be the rest of the year combined between holiday parties, New Year's, all of these events coming up. We want to make our best impression. And I know that you, Carmine, probably like me, have gone home from some events and had a discussion with your friends or your spouse going, hey, did you see what that guy did? Or did you see what that? We don't want to make the wrong impression. <laughs> How do we put our best foot forward 
if we're trying to impress people at the company holiday party or a social gathering this time of year? Well, there are some easy ways to impress not only your peers, but your boss and uh, strangers, people who you meet for the first time. There are actually some very easy ways to do that that are all backed by uh, not only by science, but by studies and surveys. And so one of my favorite techniques that I use all the time now, I'll, I'll tell you the, the backstory after I tell you what the technique is, in order to be interesting, you have to be interested in other people. That is the number one foundational skill to stand out in any room and to be the most interesting person in a room is to be interested in other people. Now, to me, again, that came naturally because I was a journalist, so I was always skilled at asking questions. Let me give you a quick backstory. It'll take about 30 seconds. I was on a plane trip, and this is where it all came together for me. I was on a plane trip, and I was next to a CEO of a large company, that a well-known company, that was on, and he was on his way to the East Coast to do CNBC and business interviews. And he was also a golfer, so we had that in common. Now, on a plane, you can tell pretty quickly when somebody wants to talk to you or not. Uh, and he obviously was chatty, so I was fine. And I asked him some questions about golf. And I learned that he had friends, because he's a big CEO, he had friends who were uh, Arnold Palmer at the time and, and a lot of professional golfers. So he regaled me with stories almost the whole trip. And I kept asking him all these questions about who he met and the golfers he met and also about his business. Well, here was the, the big revelation for me, Joe. When I walked off that plane, the last thing that gentleman said to me was, that was one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had. And oh, Joe, it hit me like a brick because I realized, I stopped in my tracks in the middle of the airport. I think the guy behind me bumped into me. I stopped because I realized this is the fundamental secret to making a positive impression on somebody. Uh, he barely asked me a question. I don't think I told him much of my story at all. And the conversation was him talking about his stories. And so there's been a lot of surveys recently in the last few years that have confirmed this idea that we're all narcissistic, uh, that we love flattery, but above all, we love talking about ourselves. So uh, once again, the fundamental secret of standing out in a room is to be more interested in the other person than is talking about yourself. Which makes me think then the inverse of that, Carmine, would be walking around the room talking about yourself nonstop is probably the first non-starter. And isn't that what most people do? Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, I've been to too many conferences, too many networking events over my 20-year career, and I can tell you it all starts with I. I, I, I. I've done this, and let me tell you about myself, and let me tell you how successful I am, and let me tell you what I've done this year. Um, that gets boring really quickly. Uh, because people want to talk about themselves. So it, it sounds counterintuitive, but the most uh, powerful way to become an interesting person is to be interested in the person you're speaking to. It's interesting when we go to these events and you're with people and you want to say something, there's lots of times, Carmine, that I'm not sure how to broach that conversation, how to begin the conversation. How do I just walk up to that person who I really want to make sure that I talk to at one of these events? Well, that's why you have to do a little preparation. You have to have some stories and anecdotes in your back pocket and an opener or, or a reason 
before saying hello to somebody. You have to do a little preparation. Let me give you a quick example of something that happened to me recently in the last few months. Again, I met a a world-famous CEO. This gentleman came up to me, and he had already known a few things about me. He knew about my daughters, that they were in gymnastics. He knew a few other uh, personal anecdotes about me. What I learned later is that this particular CEO is ultra successful because he has this amazing ability to network and to build rapport with almost everybody he meets. His assistant told me, get this, Joe, his assistant told me that before every conversation with someone new, she has to put together a little binder of information about that person. Wow. Just little personal anecdotes, little personal information. And so it's all contrived, Joe, but he makes this instant rapport like he's known you forever and you're just the best of friends. And that's how he builds this incredible network of world leaders and influencers around the world. But you got to do a little homework ahead of time if there's someone in particular that you'd like to strike up a conversation with. Well, it is funny because I'm sure, Carmine, some people listening are, are thinking, well, you know, that is so contrived, right? It's so fake. But that doesn't mean that that's going to create a fake discussion. Like like you said, I think you have to kind of start there to get to the real conversation. Absolutely. Joe, I neglected to do something before this podcast, which I should have done. There are a lot of surveys out there that show or study, I should say they're academic studies that show that people like to be flattered. They like to be praised even when and get this. Even when it seems like it's fake flattery, they still like it. (laughs) We all like to be praised. You know what I should have done before the show? Because you and I haven't spoken in a while. I follow you on Twitter, but you and I haven't spoken. I should have, looking back, if if we were at a party together, and I I know I was going to meet Joe again after a few years, I would have looked up the most, some of your most recent tweets or an article or or one of your last podcasts. One of the first things I should have done is, Joe, thanks for having me on your podcast. It's a real pleasure to be talking to your listeners. And I really love that last podcast you did with so-and-so. That was excellent, by the way. Uh, So this will be fun. Let's get started. Just that one nugget. Even if you think, Joe, that it may have been insincere, you would have kind of like, you know, would have puffed you up a little bit. Sure. Because we we are ingrained to want to be liked by other people. So you got to find that one piece of, and I guess this is a completely different piece of information, not only be interested in another person, but praise them, flatter them, find one anecdote or one piece of information that you can bring up in the conversation. I thought about that. I recently saw the Mr. Rogers movie, the, you know, starring Tom Hanks, and I'm not sure if you've seen it yet. Oh, but tell me about it. I wanted to see it. Well, well, I thought what's interesting about what you're saying is Mr. Rogers did that throughout the movie. Throughout the mm-hmm. movie, Tom Hanks' character said, you know what, Carmine, I'm so proud of you. I just love the way you come across with other people. And he would tell full-grown adults that he was proud of them, but you'd always see them puff up their chest, right? I'm like, I'm not nine years old. I'm 51. But when you start talking about how cool I am, hey, I, I love it. I mean, he, he mastered that. Okay, so Joe, what you're telling me, and I can't wait to see the movie, because from what I've read of The Real Mr. Rogers, he was very intuitive early on understood uh, empathy and how to connect with people, not just children, but with adults. Yeah. And so I think that movie is obviously reflecting that. Yeah. And what the surveys 
say, and they are quite surprising, is that even flattery that is obviously insincere flattery or a little too much, you know, where, where the listener knows that they're being worked on, even in, in that case, they still love hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you can make it just a little more authentic and natural, then it, it really makes a big difference in making a connection with people. But again, most people don't do that, Joe. They don't. Because it's all about them. It's all about, I, I can't wait to start talking to tell you everything about my books, Joe, and, and, and what I've been doing. And, and it's not about you. It's about me. But I and, think- and you have to get past that narcissism. We I- all have it. I think there's, there might be something else going on too, because I have, I have difficulty praising other people. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's narcissism as much as it's just, it is maybe exposing too much of me. Maybe it's my Midwestern kind of keep it in roots from my parents of, of don't overshare, don't whatever. But me, me telling somebody how much I like them and how much I like their work I always feel a little bit exhausted after that. Like it is tough. I don't know what that's all about. Maybe that's for my psychologist. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, I'm sorry. Here's the key. And let's be very specific because the studies do get specific about this. Authentic praise is much more powerful. Okay. So you don't want to be too inauthentic where you're just trying to find things to praise about people. But it's for someone like yourself, hey, it's very easy for me to find a podcast or anything that I'd say, hey, Joe, I really like that one. And that would be authentic, right? Or like that CEO who met with me and he can find that my, he can find that I have two daughters, that I live in a certain area. You know, you can find all that. That's easy on the internet. Uh, he didn't do it. His assistant did it. What he does is he finds that just that one piece of connection, one the little, one piece. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. And here's something really important that we need to talk about. Earlier this year, I spoke to uh, Grazer, the uh, entertainment producer, uh, Brian Grazer, the Hollywood producer. And he was telling me about a technique that has worked with him. And this is negotiation. It's not necessarily meeting in a a room, but it does have to do with meeting uh, strangers for the first time. When you meet someone for the first time, it's all about the eye contact. And he said, this is the fundamental skill that he has learned that over the last 40 years. And here, Joe, I, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for like this big revelation from on high. He's going to give me the secret of communication. And he said, the secret, Carmine, to making a connection, look people in the eye, put down the phone. Because most people are, uh, again, introverts too, are a little uncomfortable with eye contact. Yeah. So make sure that you look somebody in the eye you know, for a few seconds, don't look over their shoulder or look for someone more interesting to talk to make. I, this is kind of like the old Bill Clinton model too. That's why Bill Clinton was supposedly this incredible person at establishing rapport with people because he would look you in the eye and focus on you. Like you were the most important person in the room and ask you a question, get you to talk about yourself and, and maybe, you know, give you a little flattering praise that, that he did in his Southern Arkansas way, you know, <laughs> but he was this incredible report builder. And Brian Grazer told me that when he met Bill Clinton, cause he's met a lot of famous people, he was one of the most incredible people at building a one-on-one rapport with you. It's like your old friends and you've never, and that's the first time you've met the guy. So I think that these are some of the techniques and qualities that any of us 
can develop when we're in a situation like an office party or a workplace gathering, especially if you're talking to people who you don't converse with every day. I love the look them in the eye advice because it takes this party that I'm at where there's a lot of different people and also makes it more intimate. If for the next few seconds, it's just you and I having a connection, which is, you know, in a crowded room of people, very hard to have, but it also shows this respect for the person that you're talking to that, no, 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 you are worth my time and goes back to, you know, asking a lot of questions to be interested in people. I want to ask uh, questions on two more topics. One is, and you've written about this extensively. You talked about it at the top of our discussion here about storytelling. Most of us think we're really crappy storytellers, right? We hate telling stories. And somebody at a party might go, oh, Carmine, remember that time that you did X? And now you've got 10 people <laughs> listening. You can feel the heat of their stares while you're telling this story. What are some touch points that people might want to remember if they're ever in that situation to tell a really good story? I'm asked that quite a bit, or I'm, I'm asked about stories quite a bit. I believe it. Uh, yeah, because I'll, I'll be in a, so I was just in a social situation at a dinner party with new people. Inevitably, somebody will say, hey, Carmen, I, I understand you interviewed so-and-so. Tell us about it. Right. And, and I'm forgetting the interview. Oh, oh, no. oh my gosh. When, when was that? <laughs> the, the, they must have found an old YouTube video of me. And I've got 10 people looking at me, mm. all quiet, waiting for me to tell them this incredible story. Uh, so I, I've been in that situation before. Above all, you have to keep it short, don't you, Joe? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, right. Yeah, you, you've got to keep it short. And people like to ramble, especially on stories. And what I like to do is when you're going into a social setting is to have one or two anecdotes in your pocket that are related to either the workplace or something that you've learned. People love to learn something new. That's the other kind of secret to impressing people. They like to talk to people who are interested in them and also who have something interesting to say, something new. So if I knew my boss was at a particular function and maybe I don't interact with him every day, maybe it's a large company, him or her, I would have not only the project that I'm working on because they're probably going to ask, oh, hey, Carmine, good to see you again. What, what have you been working on this year? Oh, well, as you know, uh, I'm on this particular project team. I would have one little anecdote that maybe, hey, here's something amazing that I learned when I went to this conference uh, that we hadn't been doing before, we hadn't even thought about before, and, and here's what we're doing, and here's what I learned. That's a story, Joe. A story doesn't have to be like a novel. It doesn't necessarily have to like you know flow like, like a, a movie. It can just be an anecdote. Storytelling is something that we all do. Uh, it's how we process our world, and it's how we communicate information. Uh, but it doesn't have to be this beautifully well thought out story of beginning, middle, end, conclusion, transformation, conflicts, heroes, villains. It doesn't have to be that. We do that when we've got weeks to prepare for a presentation. But if I'm just in a in a room, it's more of an anecdote. Think of one or two anecdotes from the year or something that you'd like to communicate with you know, your workplace environment that helps you kind of stand out, but also maybe teaches people something new. I absolutely love that. You just took the pressure off a lot of people listening. It does have to be this big thing, which brings up the last point. One thing I know that you and I have in common, my friend, is that we both come across as extroverts and we're both introverts. And going to these parties, as you know, is exhausting for us. Give the introvert a little bit of help here. How do you, master communicator, get through this time of year with all of the holiday parties and all the communication that you have to do? 
Okay. Somebody told me this the other, uh, actually not too long ago, Joe, you may know this. There's different types of introversion. Have you heard about this? I so have I, where there's like extroverted introverts and, and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I am. I'm an introvert because I was watching a football game recently and I, I watched all three hours at home while the kids were doing something else and had a wonderful time right. by myself. It's I don't need to be in a pub. In fact, I'd rather not. But when I am in a social setting or when I'm in front of an audience, I can do very well. So that's actually a different type of introversion, apparently. Uh, but yeah, so that's why introverts are very, very good at they can be very good at social parties because again most people are about i they want to bring it they can't wait to start talking about themselves where i've read some fantastic books and i've met some incredibly successful people who are introverts and they say that one of their the skills that sets them apart is their ability to listen and observe so they can listen they can empathize with people. They can make different observations. If you're talking about yourself constantly without giving the other person a room to, to get into the conversation, it's very hard to have those skills, to be a good listener, to be empathetic, to be a good observer. So introverts have an advantage if you think about it differently. I love that. Sit back and just fire questions and let everybody else do the talking and you're good. You got to have a few questions. Again, a little preparation. Okay, so if it is your boss or it's somebody that you want to impress in the workplace, you'll come in knowing a little something about what they've done recently. Or, you know, if your boss has posted a blog of their recent travel experience. Uh, but boy, I, I, I loved when you went to Spain and you went to that uh, that mobile conference in Spain. Uh, I love that video. That was a, that was really terrific. Uh, thanks for posting that on your blog. Oh, you like that video. Oh, of course. well, let me tell you about it. <laughs> you know, you, you could almost, it's authentic praise, but it's very subtle. And it's showing that I have an interest in you, that I've actually watched or read something or taken an interest in one of your hobbies or interests. I wish you'd studied this a little ahead of time. I wish you knew <laughs> something about this. I don't know, by the way, which of which of your books I like better. The recent ones, uh, Talk Like Ted, The Storyteller's Secret, Five Stars. But I do know that they're all available, right? Wherever you get books. Yeah, absolutely. They're all in print, paperback now. I think Five Stars just came out in paperback. And all three of them are on Audible and... Two or three, yeah, two of the three are award-winning audiobooks. Um, so yeah, Talk Like Ted is a fantastic book just to get started in public speaking and presentations. The Storyteller's Secret is just on storytelling. It's immersive in storytelling. And Five Stars, I, I find it good for a lot of young people or people making that transition to management, to leadership, or people who are just starting out in the workplace. And people also hire you to speak. They hire you to advise them on communication. And for that, they go to CarmineGallo.com. Absolutely. Just to, if you can remember a good Italian name, Carmine Gallo, <laughs> uh, you can go to my website. And yes, uh, a, a big part of what I do is not only the writing, but keynote speaking as well. Carmine, happy holidays, my friend. Thanks for helping make everybody's holiday party experience a lot better than it was before you got here. Thank you, Joe. And uh, yes, happy holidays to all of your listeners. Hello, trivia friends. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And while Carmine Gallo might call himself a communication guru, well... 
take this, Carmine, while I communicate the most intricate part of the show, my trivia. Check out how I light a candle under all of the holidays like a vanilla pine tree smelling ninja right into this trivia question right here. Every end of the year holiday uses candles in some way or another. So how about this? What major candle company lost its founder this year? I'll be right back with the answer after I find out why this candle has no cinnamon scent. I mean, what's the point of a candle without cinnamon? The following is an actor, not a real person. We tried to find an actual Stacking Benjamins podcast listener, but we're not sure any exist. Yesterday, I turned on one of those other podcasts. Ugh, more money talk? The topic was something called long-term care, and they couldn't even make me care for the short term. That podcast made me feel like just another number. Hi, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, the huge star of the award-winning Stacking Benjamin show. Are you tired of podcasts that blabber on about money? Are you confused about all this IRA, SEPP, 72T, and fiduciary talk? At Stacking Benjamins, you're not just another number to us. Heck, if you actually listen, you're the only number. That's why we barely ever talk about money. Better yet, we treat you like family. We'll invite you on down to Joe's mom's basement, serve you some pie and maybe even a little lemonade, and best yet, when you leave, we'll complain about you behind your back. Because that's what real family moments are all about. I'm never going back to that old podcast. Stacking Benjamins is a way for me to avoid numbers and feel that warm, fuzzy feeling I get every time I scream at my sister on the phone. Stacking Benjamins, where you're not a number. Your family. Welcome back, trivia lovers. I'm your fearless holiday trivia leader, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And uh, today, I asked you this. What major candle company lost their founder this year? If you guessed Yankee Doodle... You're pretty close, but unfortunately, Michael Kittredge II, who created his company while a teenager in his family's home, just called it Yankee Candle. I'm assuming back in the day, while he probably liked spring meadows, he never stuck a great-smelling feather in his hat when he was riding to town. What a shame. Missed out on an opportunity there. See ya! And he probably never called it macaroni. Didn't happen. No. I liked that song when I was a kid. I like that song now. I haven't. I was going to say you had it playing earlier. <laughs> I, I, That's your walk-up music. Yeah, <laughs> talking about presentations. My walk-up music. Can you see us like a professional baseball player walking up to the mic? We got to do that next time we do a live show. We all have our walk-up music. What would your walk-up song be? I'm all about the bass, no treble. <laughs> Big thanks to Carmine Gallo. I love that main point. If you want to be interesting, be interested. Pay attention. Absolutely. I mean, like Carmine and I were talking about, you see these people blabber on at the party and you're like, oh, okay, you're not making the huge impression. Brian Regan does that joke. Me, 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 me. Remember that guy? Yeah. Me, me, me. And he's talking to John Glenn and John Glenn is like, oh yeah, I love the fact that you have a lot. I walked on the surface of the moon. 
Bam. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Company, they put what you value first. Oh, since we're talking about parties, maybe a little eggnog. Actually, I don't think that I've had eggnog in about... No, but I think you've mentioned eggnog like five shows. Like you've got eggnog, no. eggnog on the brain. Maybe you've... No. Yes. we must be our other co-host. Talked about it. it, it <laughs> my secret co-host. Are you doing another podcast without me? Secret co-host. That's what we are. Uh, okay, fine. Um, how about little uh, ham roll-up things with the little pickles in them and the cream cheese? <laughs> Does, uh, I, so, so I don't do those. No? You don't do ham roll-ups? No, not so my, little, not my thing. finger food? Anything with olives, though. I'm all Ooh, over it. Olives, okay. mm, love the olives. It's your loved ones and your time. Loved ones, time, and olives. I wish it said right here, but... Nope, Brittany at Haven Life didn't write me that one. She just said it's your loved ones and your time. Thanks, Brittany. What kind of olives? Appreciate it. Uh, I like the green ones, uh-huh. salty stuff. I don't like the ones that are, you know, they have the ones with the, well, I do like the one where they have taken out the pimento in the middle and they've stuck some garlic in there. That's fantastic. Yeah, all she- the ladies love that. I was going to say, Cheryl doesn't love that, but I love that. Yuck. I got to get through this. It's your loved ones and your time. It's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Great present. Guess what I did? I made you multimillionaire if I die. <laughs> That's it. We're saying hello to our friend Jerry today. Say hi, Jerry. Hey, Joe and OG, Jerry from Tennessee, and I've got a question for you. I switched insurance companies about two months back, and I recently got a call from my new insurance agent. She says that I can take out a term insurance policy on my daughter and that it would not cost me any more money. She said that I would receive what she called a multiple line discount, and it would save me enough on my auto insurance premium to balance out the cost of the term insurance on my daughter. I'm not quite sure how or why that would work, but what's your thoughts on the matter? Should I do it? And by the way, I'm a size extra large because I know that matters in the basement. Tell Doug and mom I said hi, and I look forward to hearing your response. (laughs) Congratulations, Sharon, being an extra large. I know you worked hard for that. Uh, Fantastic. He doesn't quit. Just just, no quitting that guy. He was an L, and he made it to XL. That's fantastic. Love it. Yeah, good work. I've got a lot of thoughts about this. What's what's your first thought here? My first thought is always the nefarious purpose. You know, I'm thinking like, why would someone recommend this? But I also think this is kind of now we could talk about insurance on kids because yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, yeah, to what he didn't say how old his daughter was. Once a kid, so let's back up for a second, Jerry. Here's here's what OG and I are talking about. Once a child gets past. SIDS age, sudden infant death syndrome, the chance of your child passing away, not huge. And if you have an emergency fund, if the worst does happen, the question is, how do I manage that risk? It's not how much insurance can I buy? It's how do I manage that risk? If you start with buying insurance, your insurance agent's going to be very happy because you'll buy insurance for everything. But if you start with how do I manage that risk, if it's a low probability event, like a child, horrible event, a child passing away, but low probability, you handle it with your emergency fund. Right. And by the way, that's the reason why the insurance is incredibly inexpensive. 
And that's also the reason why the agent is telling you that, hey, you're going to qualify for a discount that you didn't get before. And that will be enough to pay for this really cheap coverage on your kid. The insurance is cheap because it's probably not going to happen. So I think about that. And on one end, I go, this is the insurance agent's job. And that's pretty damn cool. When the insurance agent points out, hey, you could do this. You could do this. Like they're giving you options you didn't even know existed. They're, they're educating you on the product. But, but I'm also wondering if there might be a different way to receive that same discount. Yeah. Or if you're saving money by getting the multi-line discount, does that also mean that going through a different insurance company might also give you a lower cost? Because we also want to keep our options open and look at different insurers. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you just changed a couple of months ago. So you probably went through this whole process, but I'm with you. Like, what's the benefit of it? So... I get to do some paperwork and then I get this free insurance policy that perfect world I'll never use. It saves me a few bucks. I mean, the insurance policy itself can't be more than a hundred dollars a year. Probably. Less, I mean, it's less, gotta be probably less than $40 a year, $30 is some yeah. really insignificant amount of money. We don't know what the death benefit is, but I never see insurance on children. That's for a lot more than a burial would, would cost. Yeah. I mean, if your kid is, I guess if your kid is, pulling in money, you know, that would be another thing, right? Like if you're, if your kid's an actor or, or, or a musician or something like that. And if you were Bieber's dad back in the day, Bieber's dad. Yeah. Um, but assuming not, then yeah. What would be the death benefit? Like 25 grand. And what's the cost of insurance on a, I don't know how old this kid is 10 year old for 20. It's gotta be nothing, a nickel. I, I have no idea. So, so all of this work in order to save, seven dollars or seventeen dollars or whatever that number is seems a, seems a little a little odd and but and, it, but uh, if it's easy to do why not who said it's going to be easy i mean well i don't know what the process is but if the process is easy and she's bringing it to the table you i know, like your idea better though i like what you said i didn't think of this one you said find me a discount a different way and i would think like what else is open from a risk standpoint that i need to consider that's not this because like like you said, you don't have to worry about your kid getting hit by a bus, God forbid, because if you have a good cash reserve, that should be more than adequate to cover that. So how about you get an umbrella policy for your trampoline and pool in the backyard? I was just about to ask you what you thought the biggest win would be, the biggest cheap win, right? Because it's got to be a fairly inexpensive policy. That's my number one. I mean, that affects most people listening. Was- an umbrella liability policy is... Yeah, and you might not save money on that. It might actually cost you more than what you're paying, right? But it's more useful. But it's but it has a higher probability of being used than than you know a, a life insurance a term life insurance policy on a kid, which also serves no purpose. I mean, I can even somewhat get behind the you know the Gerber grow up plan where it's like you get your insurance for your kid and they it's guaranteed coverage for the rest of their life. It's like well, at least there's something, right? I can kind of sign off on that because it's whole life insurance, you know, forever when you get this kid that doesn't have any health problems. You don't know what the future holds, but um, I would be looking at like, well, what else could I do that benefits me that covers something that's a little bit more impactful in my life? 
you know, maybe you should raise your liability coverage or, you know, on your auto policies, or maybe you should combine your home insurance with your auto policies to get the multi-lines discount on that way now, or whatever. There's some phenomenal agents out there. And she might've suggested that to show you though, Jerry, that she's in your corner and that she's looking for opportunities for you to spend your money more wisely. And if that's the case, which uh, I've had agents in my corner that have done that. I still use an insurance agent today for a lot of my stuff because I like having that person who helps me navigate this weird world that I know a lot about, but I don't have time to deal with. I think the help could be valuable. I think the answer here is to talk to her Mm -hmm. because you'll get a feeling really fast if she's about selling more policies or if she's about helping you more effectively deploy your money. Now, what if she said, listen... I'll be honest with you, Joe. I'm three policies short of like a bonus. This is free for you, pretty much. You know, I'm going to lower your other premiums, so it's going to offset it. But this helps me out a ton. At the end of the year, I'm trying to hit this tier of recognition in my organization. This is a win-win. Two things I would do. I'd say, number one, is there a way that, that helps me more, that, that I can help you? there's a way that helps me more than let's talk about that. Number two is I still want to know overall whether you're in my corner or not, because if you are in my corner and you are helping me do better with my overall insurance picture, then hell yeah, absolutely. I'll yes. take two. If, if it means nothing to me, means nothing to me and helps you, but I know that in other areas, you're going to help me. You're going to help me navigate claims when they happen. You're going to be somebody that, that tells me, yeah, don't, don't do that. Like I love the waiter that says, yeah, don't, don't order the, <laughs> don't order the thing. Yeah. How's the salmon? Uh, it's on the menu. Yeah. 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 I love that. Like, give me that person. Yeah. If they're that person versus no, uh, Hey, I think you should replace that term insurance with a whole life policy. Maybe interesting. Not. Yeah, that that's what I do. You, I'd appreciate the forthrightness. Yeah, if it means nothing to me and they are in my corner, I'm going to help you all day long. Yeah, I will. Thanks for the question, Jerry. Got a question for us? Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Very easy to use there. Uh, and by the way, if you've got more of a long form question, OG's firing up a sister show in the new year. Be more of like a brother show, but whatever. Well, I think of it as a sister show, but whatever. <laughs> if you've got a longer, more complicated question and you want to have OG address that, you can't get it into a 90-second voicemail spot, head to askaplanner at stackybenjamins.com. But if it's less than 90 seconds, we could handle it here like Jerry just so eloquently did in 46 seconds. Even told us his shirt size stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Very easy to use. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. Doug's going to do all the thank yous because we're rolling into it. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Yep, Joe. I got it. First, take some advice from Carmine Gallo. Want to make a great impression at your holiday event? Be interested instead of focusing on blabbing on about how you're interesting. You'll make a better impression. Second, how about some advice from OG? Want to cut your fees? How about asking about the articles you're reading? Someone's getting paid a lot of money under the table while pointing at everybody else. But the big lesson? Don't give Joe's mom the Yankee Candle Club as a present. I don't want my El Camino smelling like a fresh sea breeze. You kidding me? 
it should smell like oil and testosterone. Come on! Special thanks to Carmine Gallo for joining us. You'll find links to all of Carmine's books and coaching at CarmineGallo.com or on the show notes at our website, StackingBenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm wondering if KY Jelly is actually made in Kentucky. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show where we generally talk about stuff not related to finance. Today we're kind of going to straddle. We're going to talk about something we we normally don't talk about, which is how this this product gets made. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, because how the sausage is made. Yeah, I super appreciate it. I really appreciate it when people take the time to write us a an email about how the show gets made when people leave us a review and they talk about things that they don't like about the show. I can't really respond to those for two reasons. It isn't like Yelp where I get to write message from the manager. I'm so sorry that the bed was too, that the bed felt too hard for you. Why don't we talk and I can explain why we have hard mattresses or whatever it might be. It isn't Yelp. You leave a review for us on iTunes. It sits there. And I also cannot talk about those because we've done it in the past. And when we talk about bad reviews, what happens is we get a bunch more because yeah, people think it's funny. Yeah. Because the trolls know that we pay attention. And frankly, we do this as much for us as we do for you. You can't podcast if you don't enjoy it. And I tell you, every time we get a negative review, OG will tell you, it brings my ass down a lot. It really, really, really is frustrating. But the frustration Sit isn't in a corner and well, suck on your thumb. Well, and you realize you're not going to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. You you are not going to make a product for everybody. I'll give you an example. The one that frustrates me the most, before we get to this particular letter, the one that frustrates me the most is the person who says that we don't give you enough nuggets. This is meant to be on purpose a chatty light show about some pretty deep topics. We want to be the point of the spear. 
with people coming into the world of personal finance. We don't want to be the Afford Anything podcast. With our friend Paula, who goes into great depth, we want to introduce you to Paula, if you like Paula. We're not Paula part two. We are. We are not. We never set out to be that. We're not going to be that. And for people that wanted us to clown around less, what I tried to do when we set this up was give people a series of clues about what we're going to be. Number one, we have artwork with OG with a bag over his head. We don't call him by his name. We call him OG. Which all the marketing people love, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, so let me get this straight. You don't actually want to be found anywhere. (laughs) You have all these people that listen to your show and don't want to use that to your advantage. You don't. You're you're (laughs) maybe it wasn't well thought out eight years ago when we first started it. Okay. We did seven people that listened to the freaking show. Which is why we do this for us. We think it's fun. By the way, you know, for compliance purposes, everything else, you want to find OG. He's, 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 it is very obvious who, what your real name is. We then have my mom's neighbor, Doug say live from Joe's mom's half finished basement. So if you got by the artwork with the bag over one of our heads, and then you got by live from Joe's mom's basement, it's a stacky Benjamin show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And here's what's going to happen today. And Doug generally cracks a joke. And then you get to us cracking jokes and you came here for serious, deep discussions. I'm not sure the problem's me. I've tried to give you a bunch of hints as to what we're doing. And I realize it's not what Dave Ramsey's doing and it's not what Susie Orman's doing, but that's not what this is about. We yell a lot less. (laughs) We we do. That's freaking stupid. Although sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need a little kick in the rear end. You do, but we're not that. I mean, we are, we are not I that. Can't, I can't be that person. Let's talk about Daniel's letter because I, I empathize very much with Daniel's letter and I want to tell everybody about the conundrum that we have here. Daniel talks about missing Greg McFarlane, liking the awkward long segues. Yes. Greg was on the show for a long time on our Friday roundtables. Hilarious guy, very blunt, said a bunch of inappropriate things fairly often. However, we do miss Greg. Greg, is, Greg was fantastic radio. The second piece about what he said, though, was the commercials on the show, the advertisements sometimes feel excessive. And I will tell you, as the creator of the show, I agree. I want to tell everyone, though, because Daniel was nice enough to write about this to me. I want to respect that by telling everybody exactly what's going on there. I love it. And we try to profile new young voices in financial media that we think are exciting. And we try to curate those and we try to bring them to you. And the most frustrating thing for me has been over the decade now that I've been in financial media has been when we discover a new exciting voice and they say, I'm not going to accept any, any advertising revenue, not going to accept any sponsorship, not going to do any of that because I just love this and I believe in it. And I've seen this over and over and over again. Exciting new voice, not accepting any sponsorship. And because there's no money coming in at all, six months, seven months, sometimes a year later, they're gone. And the reason they're gone is because the excitement is now gone 
and there isn't any revenue driving the project. There has to be some revenue driving the project. And because I know, mostly because I've, of the marathon running I've done, that this is a marathon and not a sprint. We need to exist. I'm not always going to be on. I need a team of people around me who I have to hire. And because of that, we've decided to build this podcast that's made for a wide audience that is made as an introductory podcast. Somebody on the team is going to be fired up. We want to bring consistently good shows to people. We need, we need revenue coming in to do that. And so there are two concepts in advertising. There's a pre-roll and a mid-roll. And the pre-roll is very short and is packaged with the mid-roll for our advertiser. Mid-roll is where you talk about it longer. Initially, what I did was we put the mid-roll in the center of the trivia, mostly because I've been listening to podcasts since 2005, and I'm with you guys. I freaking hate it when there's an advertiser spot right in the middle of a good discussion. Hey, OG and I are talking about something cool, but first I want to talk about Casper mattresses. I'm, I'm throwing my device. Or, or, the, or the worst one where like literally it stops. <laughs> the I was, I was the automatic ad insertion. Is that what it is? Yes. Because I was listening to one and, and it was like literally the guy's talking and talking and it was almost not, it was almost mid sentence or like he asked a question of the guest and then it just like literally cut right to it. And I said, that was kind of a weird thing. And then I listened to a different show and it happened again. So it must be something that they do automatically or something like you said. But, but uh, it was like this really, really interesting discussion. And all of a sudden it's like, it, it's not like he did it. It was a total different voice, you know, or whatever. It was like very oh, yeah. distracting. Yeah. All of a sudden it's a FreshBooks ad with some woman when it was a guy having the discussion or yeah. whatever it might be. I don't like that. I'm with you. I don't like that. So the reason when we created the show that we created Doug's trivia, if you want to know the truth is because I wanted a way to be able to disguise the mid roll as a thought process. So me as a listener, I don't get upset. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now we're not stopping any discussion. We're giving you a chance to think about the trivia. We're lightening the show even more, which is what we want to do anyway with Doug. Um, and we've worked hard on, on writing the, I mean, just to pull the curtain completely back, writing Doug's character better and working on the comedy of the show. Because I also agree with that, that from time to time, Doug does some stuff that just is beyond plausible or has done some stuff. We want Doug to be hard-charging to be uh, the guy that goes after it and is consistently hitting the wrong wall. And you know it and I know it. But, like but, Wiley Coyote. Yeah, but Doug doesn't know it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then Doug figures it out by the end. And I feel like we've hit that mark more consistently and we're getting better at it, but you're always working on your, on your project. But, but anyway, so what we did was we put two mid-rolls in there. What we found initially was I made them sound like radio advertisements. I copied NPR shows, Gimlet shows, some of the big producer shows where you put music underneath. Here's what happens, guys. We've been very lucky that we've attracted a nice size audience. Because of that, the sponsors got big enough that the people that I have relationships with, some of these fintech companies that I like, like Magnify Money's grown along with us. We have a personal relationship with them. Haven Life has grown with us. Those are our personal relationships. We had to hire an outside firm to help us. And when we did that, what I didn't realize was that initially they gave us a bunch of, a bunch of sponsors. We 
approved every single one that came on the show. So we got to decide who was for us and who wasn't for us. And we, we said no to a lot of different sponsors. To, to, Still do. We, yes. And, and in their defense, the company that we hired, we really liked them a lot. They even pre look at them. They only send us people they think. So number one, they're filtering out people before they present them. We still filter out a ton. People, nope, not right for us. And I'll give you an example. I didn't know native deodorant existed before they were presented to us as a possible sponsor. And then you and I did a bunch of homework on native. And then we said, oh yeah, we want to be, this is for us. How about when I, when I got some, my wife was like, oh, how did you get that? That's awesome. I didn't know you liked that so much. Yeah. Like trying out the product and we're telling people, Hey, what do you think? Native? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes. We're like, okay, yes. We want to be affiliated with them and digging up dirt, you know, trying to find stuff. And we have found stuff on some companies that were like, Oh, this looks no, 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 mm. not going there. Stuff we didn't know. But we started off with these nice sounding ads that sounded like they're on the radio. Here's what happens. That signals the fact that there's an ad coming Everybody hits the fast forward button and it's a waste of everybody's time and the killer for us, because while we have an audience size where we can get sponsors, we don't make a lot of money on our sponsors because our audience size isn't nearly big enough for us to go. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and play that music anyway. And if 40,000 people don't listen, (laughs) we don't have 40,000 people on our listening to our average show yet. So because of that, we need these to be good for the listener and good for the sponsor because the sponsor pays attention. Yes. And also because the people that send us advertisements pay attention as well to conversion rates. And so what happened was nobody was converting and all of a sudden our calendar was empty. And the reason our calendar was empty, the sponsor calendar was empty was because of the fact that nothing was converting. And the people that we we'd hired to find us advertisers weren't recommending us. They were recommending other podcasts instead of us because we didn't convert. So we had a couple really long meetings about how do we make this so it converts better and we don't upset people. We got rid of the music underneath the ads. We made worse segue transitions. If you want to know where the bad segues came from, the bad segues came because of the fact that if you listen, if I, if I'm a listener and I listen for the bad segue and it's a fun ad, I'll listen to the ad. And we also decide to make it helpful where in the past I would do most of the advertisements without OG here. Now, most of the time, OG and I are discussing, is this good for a small business owner? It does this deodorant work when you go on a run or a bike ride, taking an RX bar along or, you know, the classes you take with Skillshare, what are we doing with this stuff? And when we made those more natural, you know what happened? The listenership spiked up. The conversion spiked up. They sent us more sponsors, which meant that it makes it easier for us to hire better writing. It makes it better for us to to take classes, to do better writing. We can have better equipment. We can make a better show. But at the same time, that means the ads are placed in places more often where you're going to listen. If we had a million listeners, I could do what Joe Rogan does or Tim Ferriss does, where they put the ads, the first five minutes. I, I listen to Tim Ferriss. I fast forward for five minutes. Yeah. I listen to Joe Rogan, about six, six and a half minutes. Mark Marin, I will listen for four minutes, but he gets tricky. <laughs> he'll, do, he'll do four minutes of ads, and then he'll talk a little bit. Then he'll do another set of ads. 
And then he'll do that. Like this dude's got mid-roll, 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 then more mid-roll. Like Mark Marin has maybe four or five different things. So we have a conundrum, guys. I get Daniel's point. I love the fact he wrote me. Thanks so much for writing us about that. That's the strategy in where we place the ads and how we do the ad reads. If you've got a better solution for us where we can keep making a show that we're proud of, but at the same time, make it so that Daniel doesn't feel like we have advertisements as much. I would absolutely, absolutely love that. Cause we're with Daniel love the show, love our advertisers, but, um, but definitely love the fact that you guys pay attention. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.